Hello, good morning. There's custard on the stairs and baked beans on the stairs. Uh, only in 12 to 14. It's great to be back with you, day number two. Uh, yesterday we were talking about what it means to trust Jesus in the storms of life, to step out in our everyday. And yesterday I told you something very important about Peter. I told you what his job was. So Peter was a fisherman. You were listening and I'm glad to hear that you were. And today we're going to be looking at how we can be really, really sure we know who Jesus is. How can we be really, really sure that we know who Jesus truly is? And today's kind of little fact about Peter is that Peter was, if you've got a notebook, Peter was opinionated. And I think this might be one of the little reasons I really love Peter in the Bible. He's one of my favorite people in the Bible. I'm pretty opinionated. And throughout the Bible, we see Peter, he just does some crazy stuff. He says so many things. He loves to speak on behalf of the group. He actually argues with Jesus quite a lot about what Jesus' plans are. He says he'll never do stuff and then he does it. Peter is basically a roller coaster character full of loads of things that he says and loads of different actions. But in today's passage, Jesus wants to hear what Peter has to say. If you do have a notebook, do jot it down. We're reading from Matthew chapter 16, but we're going to play a video so you can listen along. So let's hear the passage for today. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the son of man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Brilliant. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So the first sentence is a little bit, feels a little bit random. It says that Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi with his friends, with his disciples. But if there's anything I've learned over the past few years, it's that nothing in the Bible is random. Everything in the Bible is really useful. And so why does it mention that Jesus has come to this place and then just carries on with this story? Very important conversation. Well, I think it's important just to note that Jesus brings his disciples to a quieter place. He brings them away from kind of the hustle and bustle where a lot of God's people are gathered and he takes his friends somewhere a little bit more quiet to have this very important conversation. And secondly, this region is a place where historically there's been a lot of confusion about who is the real God. There's been temples built towards different gods. There's been different types of worship. And again, I think it's no coincidence that Jesus decides to have this question, have this conversation and ask the most important question that he asks his disciples in this location that's quiet, but where there's also confusion about who is the true God. 
And so Jesus asks a couple of questions. The first, who do the people say that I am? He actually says, who do the people say the son of man is? Which sometimes feels a little bit strange. We see this phrase throughout the Bible. What you need to know for today is that when Jesus says, who do the people say the son of man is? He's talking about himself. A little bit weird because really everyone is either a son of a man and woman or a daughter of a man and woman. It's a bit like if I came on and said, I'm Taylor, I'm daughter of a man. We're just human. But really, that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. Son of man is a common phrase that does mean human being. But also, earlier in the timeline, son of man is a phrase that was used. People would have been aware that it was a phrase to point towards Jesus. But as I said, what you need to know for today is that Jesus is talking about himself. Who do the people say that I am? And the thing is, the people, the world, will always have something to say about who Jesus is. So in Peter's context, the disciples are discussing with him, and they're kind of explaining that the people, they're just drawing on whatever kind of historical facts they can find about human beings and people that have been similar to Jesus and people that are around the place that they can draw on to kind of build a jigsaw of who Jesus is. So they're saying, well, Jesus... You know, you you kind of talk a lot about sin and wrongdoing and you're really into repentance. So turning away from the former things, the things that are maybe wrong, wrong and against God and coming closer to God. You also do have a lot of people following you. So maybe you're a little bit like John the Baptist because he's just down the way baptizing people, talking about this sort of thing. And a lot of people are following him. But also, Jesus, you know, you speak like someone who has real authority. You know, when you open your mouth, it's as if God is truly speaking. So I think the people are kind of guessing that you're some sort of prophet, some sort of messenger of God, a bit like Jeremiah. But then there's the miracles. Jesus, you do things that we have never seen before. And so the people, they're discussing it. The gossip about town is that you're a little bit like Elijah because God definitely demonstrated his power through Elijah's life. Loads of miracles, loads of stuff that people had never seen before. So they're discussing it and they're explaining that the people are finding anything they can to kind of describe who this Jesus is. He's the talk of the town. And in your context, the people that you find yourself spending time with, family, school friends, they'll all be doing the same thing. They'll all have different opinions on who Jesus is. For some of you, it might be that your friends, family think that Jesus was, yeah, like a pretty good guy. He's nice. He says to look after people, to give money to those who need it, to look after the orphans and the widows and the homeless. He's a good moral teacher. We like the things he says, and we can try our best to be good like him. Another option is people may say that Jesus is just one way to God. He kind of leads people down one of the paths that lead you to God and you get there in the end. Maybe he's a good start. For some of you living in cities, diverse locations, there may be classmates and even friends that know of Jesus' life. And they too, like some of the people in Peter's time, see Jesus as a prophet, a messenger of God. And for many of you, you might have friends and family that say, I don't believe Jesus Jesus even existed. Even though there's so much evidence for his existence, they don't believe that he existed. Everybody has a different opinion on who Jesus is. And that's why Jesus' second question is so important Jesus turns and asks, okay, 
but who do you say that I am? You see, Jesus cares so much about the individual answer. He cares so much about our individual answer to this question. He turns to Peter and says, what about you? You know, it's not enough for Jesus just to know what all the people are saying and for us to be muddled in with them. He wants to know your answer. And by the way, I should add, that's not because Jesus has some sort of confusion about who he is. He doesn't need his friend's approval. He doesn't need them to tell him, Jesus, you're this, you're amazing. Jesus does not have any self-esteem issues like you and I, definitely me. I don't know about you. Jesus knows who he is. He is secure in who he is. Peter's answer was not going to affect Jesus's identity. It wasn't going to affect Jesus's life purpose or his security. But here's the thing, Peter's answer would affect Peter's identity, Peter's life purpose and Peter's security. And Jesus understood this. Do you understand that your answer to this question doesn't really affect how real or alive or powerful Jesus is? Whatever you believe about Jesus, Jesus is who he is. That doesn't change, right? But your answer For you, my answer for me is life and death. It's as serious as it can get. And Jesus cares more deeply about this answer than anything else. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the cross and died seeing it as joy. How is that possible? Because he was in excruciating pain. He was terrified. He'd been abandoned. And yet he saw it as joy. Why? because of every person that would discover the answer to this question. So how do we figure out our answer? How did Peter figure out his answer? Because we'll all have something different to say. And why is that? Because we are opinionated people too. We're a little bit like Peter and our opinions are formed in three ways, I think. What we know, what we feel, and what we want. So some of us will have ideas about Jesus based on what we know, what we've learned about him, what we know to be true. Some of us will have ideas about Jesus based on what we feel this week or today or even right now. And some of us will have ideas about Jesus based on what we really, really want. The problem with this is that opinions aren't always fact. Or maybe they're never fact. We all have different opinions. I'm gonna give you an example. We played ice cream factory earlier today, okay? It was gross, let's not talk about it too much. Ice cream factory, I wanna put it to a vote. I love ice cream, I love food. So I'm gonna give you four flavors, chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, and mint choc chip. Yeah, big flavors, OG flavors, you can't go wrong. You're going to the ice cream factory and I wanna ask you guys to give me a shout if you, hands down, say that vanilla is the best. You can own it, it's okay, the tentative, woo. Yes, vanilla, okay. I wanna give you, give you, I want you to give me a shout if you think strawberry, hands down the best. Yes, strawberry. Chocolate? Really, that's interesting. And where are the mint chop chip guys? Okay, fine. See, 
differing opinions, differing opinions. We all have a different flavor ice cream. Okay, but listen up, because I'm gonna change the context for you. Okay, you listening? Because you all have different opinions and you're all very confident in what you think. But what if I change what you know? Okay? What if I told you that at this particular ice cream factory, the vanilla ice cream was made in the pristine leotards of four small boys that stood on this stage? How many of you would come to this ice cream factory and still give me a shout that you want to order vanilla? There's one guy here that knew he was going to order vanilla. That's a little bit weird, isn't it? There's less of you, let's be honest. Pretty gross. We can talk about that later. We can pray for you. Um, what if I changed something else that you know? What if I said that those lovely little mint choc chips, that they found out that in our ice cream factory, those little choc chips were a lovely bit of rabbit droppings, a little bit of poop-flavored mint choc chip. You guys are gross. You guys are gross. Okay, what if I change what you want? For me, for example, if I'm having an apple crumble, if I'm gonna eat an apple crumble or an apple pie, because I love a mint choc chip, if I'm gonna have an apple crumble, I'm looking for vanilla. What I want in the moment changes. What I want with my apple crumble is different. Vanilla is best, 100%. And if it's hot, I want mint choc chip. If it's winter or if I'm sad, I want chocolate ice cream. How I feel changes what I believe is best. You see, it's a silly example, but as you can see, what we know, what we want, and what we feel can change our perceptions at any given moment. And when I became a Christian at your age, I felt like I knew that, okay, God created everything. Fantastic, amazing. And Jesus died for my sins. And that was it. That's what I believed about God. It's true, but it wasn't the whole picture. And then there was how I felt. I came back to an event like this the year after. I was 16 years old. And what I felt about God, about Jesus, was that he was an uncaring, a ruthless and unjust and distant God. And honestly, it pains me to say it now. But I was 16, I'd come to this event, not this event, I'd come to a different event, but I'd left my mum and I'd left my family at home in complete tragedy. You see, a really close family member had been, their life had been taken, they'd been brutally killed in a series of terrible occurrences. And I couldn't figure out how God could be a God that was present in that situation. I came to that event saying, God, you don't care. You just sit on your throne and you watch what happens and you're not involved. And I think it's just terrible and I don't like you very much. And that's what I felt about who Jesus was. And then there was what I wanted. Because by the end of that event, God had broken into my life in a big way and he began to heal me. You know, Rebecca was saying last night that sometimes these healing processes take time, but God began to heal that wound and that grief. So I was like, okay, Lord, I understand that you're close. I understand that you are just. And I started to go on that process. But what I didn't understand was that Jesus changes your life. And what I wanted, I 
desperately wanted was to keep living my life exactly how it had been going. All I cared about was parties and boys. And so I painted this picture of Jesus who forgave my sins, died for my sins, was close, but didn't really care what I did with my life. You know, there's that terrible phrase, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And I thought, well, if Jesus forgives, I can do whatever I want. Throughout my life, what I knew, what I felt, and what I wanted changed my perception of Jesus. And some of those things might be true, and some of those things were absolutely not true at all. And they were not the full picture. Now, you guys will have all come to New Day probably with a different idea of who Jesus is to you. So what is the right answer? How do we figure out the right answer? Well, none of our opinions, just our opinions will do the trick. The truth is who the world says that Jesus is or who we say on any given day based on our opinions is accurate. It's not the full picture. And here's a sneaky clue in the passage. When Peter answers the question and he gets it right, ding, 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 It's not even his answer. I don't know if you spotted it. In verse 17, it says that the Spirit reveals it to him. It says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And Jesus explains that it's this confession, it's this revelation, Peter seeing Jesus as the Messiah, that Jesus will build his church on and that it will continue to grow and grow and grow and will never be defeated. Every single person is invited to make their own decision in their heart. And unfortunately, we can't just ride along on what other people are saying. It's not just like getting your mate's Netflix password and being able to kind of log into their account. Don't do that, it's naughty. It's, it's not just like growing up in church and, and being your parent's child and getting in that way. It's not just standing really, really close to someone in meetings like this who seems to be getting it. You just hope that if you're close enough, you'll get it too. It doesn't work. You may have grown up in church, you may have been invited here and be here for the first time and be hearing about Jesus for the first time. Either way, the time is coming to Figure out the answer to that question. And Jesus is so interested in your answer. I'm going to call the band up. And what I want us to do is to have a little think about this question. You see, there's nothing that I can do to make you have the answer. There's nothing I can do. I can't make you raise your hand or walk to the front or sing loud enough to have the answer. I can't make you sing just for the sake of it or do things just for the sake of it, but I want us to take a minute to answer these questions in our hearts. Who do you say that Jesus is? What is it that you know? What is it that you've been feeling? Things that have been going on in your life. What is it that you desperately want that are shaping what you think about who God is? And we can ask him to start to shift what is true from what is untrue. We can ask him to reveal to us a picture of who he is by his spirit. We're going to take a couple of minutes. The band are going to play. 
And I want you just to close your eyes and I want you to ask yourself that question. Who do you say that Jesus is?